politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, forgotten and scorned taxpayers and abused conservative voters. And that is independent conservative voters to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze TV for Friday, December 4th. I love Fridays, especially this week where it's just been a hellish week, but also an exhilarating week where I think we've done a lot of good work here highlighting so many important issues, uh, politics, policy, election fraud, COVID fascism, crime, you name it. We have you covered here, which is why you need to send this show to many of your friends and relatives. Subscribe on iTunes. Drop us a, a review there. That certainly helps with the algorithms at a time that we're being censored. And uh, folks, remember to tune in 8.30 p.m. Sunday night to Life, Liberty, and Levin. I'll be on with Mark Levin um, around 8.30-ish Eastern time to talk about Pennsylvania. We'll talk about some of that today. But I first want to deal with the fundamental issue of the week. You know, we really spend a lot of time here focusing on issues that matter to conservatives and decisions and questions and debates within conservatives, among conservatives. And I think it's important to elaborate on some of the points we made yesterday about this broader fight over whether conservatives should even bother voting in the Senate elections in Georgia. Does it matter? Should it, is it better that they specifically reject the Republicans and let them own their own mess? Or is it still worth voting for them, even if we hate them? And you know, the point I've been making, and I'm going to continue to make, is that everyone is missing the broader point here. Obviously, you guys know I'm much more sympathetic to the side of letting the GOP go, not just as a, frustra- a move of frustration and exas- exacerbation, or exasperation, I'm sorry, but more of a strategic move that you can't replant if we're still going to put our votes into a perfidious party. You can't plant new grass without getting rid of the dead grass. But nonetheless, strategically, I actually wish some of my allies w- wouldn't openly push for people not to vote because I, I I, just don't want the other side to be able to hold on to that excuse. You see, the reason we're having problems is because you didn't vote for those Republicans. I want them to have their idolatry slayed before their eyes. I want every Republican to vote for Leffler and Purdue, but for a very specific reason, just so they see one of two things. Either they'll win and we're going to get screwed because... Democrats already have a 90-10-100-0, sometimes majority in the Senate, so it doesn't matter, and we're going to talk about that. But also, more likely, they're going to lose anyway, even if every Republican under the sun turned out 100% for them, because these very senators and these very Republicans have failed to fight on the issues that even affect their own electoral viability. They already have, you look at some of the numbers out of Fulton and Clayton, the melons that they've produced already for this election. It's a joke. Stop blaming conservatives for your failures. But more broadly, I don't care what you do. If we have a united plan to deal with the wretched Republican Party in the long run, it doesn't matter. Because here's the reality. Nothing will change if you vote for those Republicans, 
and nothing will change if you vote against them. It's not like they're going to get the message or whatever. Neither of them is a strategy towards achieving what we want. The strategy towards achieving what we want is working at a local level, county and state legislature, to pressure the heck out of the existing Republicans in a way that will make it that either at a local level, the Republicans are de facto our type of people, or we force a new party, or we're going to continue muddling along like this. What shocks me about these people is that they're like Baghdad Bob. They talk about the Senate like as if it's a futuristic thing while ignoring what's currently going on. See, it used to be Republicans would lie to us and pander during an election. They'd act very strong and we'd be like, dude, it's not going to go anywhere. They're going to change the minute they win the election. But what has happened is now they're not even addressing our issues. We have our country on fire with crime, on fire with COVID fascism. Businesses being closed and children being abused. The worst spending ever. The worst dependency ever. The worst socialism ever. Right now, right here, under Trump, under Republicans. People rushing our border. There's more stories on that to rush the hospitals while we're shut down so as not to overload the hospitals. And you look at Leffler and Purdue, they're not, they're not even speaking to it. They're not even attempting to speak to it. It's like, shut up, vote Republican. Well, okay, but could you at least open your mouth about what happened in the Senate Wednesday night with them unanimously passing a big tech India visa monopolization of of green cards? Like, could we talk about that? Like, hey, Purdue and Leffler, do you have anything to say? Any press release? Any nothing? They're not even like promising to do anything for us. They have these bizarre slogans and it's like Baghdad Bob, it's not speaking to the time we live in. Like, what election are you running in? We have all these grievances and they're not even campaigning on them. That's the broader point. So if you want to be like these people that are shut up, vote Republican, at least also pressure these people to address our issues. Let me say a very important point. I made it before, but we've thankfully, and I really am thankful to you guys for this. Our audience has almost doubled in in recent weeks. So, So there are a lot of new listeners It's a point I've made throughout the primary season, and that's this. Even I, who believe that the Republican Party is as irremediably broken as possible, I do believe there is always one advantage to voting Republican over Democrat, except the very people who most passionately promote voting Republicans at all costs take away from us that one benefit, ironically. And that is... See, with Democrats, there's nothing we can do. We're never going to be able to pressure, bully them, talk to the hand, right? They're going to say, talk to the hand. They don't, they're don't. they not going to listen to us. Whereas with Republicans, especially if they're in areas with a lot of MAGA type of constituents, we can at least scare them into sometimes supporting us. But that's only if you do that. That's only if you apply the pressure. The purpose of electing Republicans is so you can get your foot in the door and try to push them knowing that they abuse us, knowing that they're not really on our side, but nonetheless, they need Republicans to get elected, so at least pressure them. But these very same voices that are so passionate in pressuring conservatives and 
demonizing them and patronizing them into voting Republican, they're somehow never there to pressure these Republican politicians into reciprocating for Republican voters. If all these voices with all these platforms that are so, you know, that that nub shoulders with these Republicans would say, hey, buddy, uh, do you want to say anything about that Mike Lee visa giveaway bill? But nothing. That's my problem. That's my problem. You look at all these legislatures, all these Republican control. They're they're not doing anything on our issues. And most of the time they're agreeing with the other side. Daniel, do you want to enable the Democrats? They're enabling the Democrats. What do you want from me? I want to give you two analogies that I feel speak that, that are very appropriate for the time we live in. I am totally fine if you want to vote for the Georgia Republicans. But it's the mentality through which you vote for them that bothers me. If you want to vote for them and say, look, I am going to join with Daniel and other patriots in trying to fundamentally overhaul the party or change the party, push our policies and our solutions and our strategies at a state level, all of the above, but look, if I'm given a choice between the Dem and the Republican, any given race, temporarily, I'll vote for the Republican. I'm fine with that. In fact, I actually want people to do that, like I said, just to take away the talking point that, oh, the only reason we lost is because of conservatives. But recognize that this you have much more work to be done. But this is all those people do. They're like wind-up toys. They're never there with us on the issues, on the budget bills, on anything. If you do what I do, then you have the right to shame people into voting Republican. But if you're completely silent when Republicans are stabbing us in the back and you have influence to pressure them, and you're like, vote Republican. Well, why? Well, because at least we could pressure them. But you don't. Yeah, I mean, if all of these thumb-sucking, phony podcast hosts and radio hosts and writers that are so-called conservative would do what I do, yeah, there would probably be more of a purpose to voting Republican. You could probably accomplish more with that. But with them, there's actually no difference. They are the problem. They need to look in the mirror. So this is kind of a third take. As always, I have a different take on every, than everyone else on this debate. But I want to give you these two analogies. Number one, in terms of framing what sort of mentality you view this. Picture someone who just can't stand his wife anymore. She's cheating on him. They have nothing in common anymore. He wants her out. And he plans to get divorced. And he fully plans to get divorced. Before they could pack up and divorce, a robber breaks into the house and attacks the wife. And everyone's like, you got to go and defend her and protect her. And yeah, and likely he'll do that against the robber. But does that mean he is not going to seek the divorce thereafter? And it's the same thing here. You want to tell me you have one of these Republicans going up against a Democrat, all things equal, you you make a choice between the robber and her. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Okay, vote vote for the Republican. I'm fine. Okay. Whatever. But 
don't prevent that from doing everything else you need to do. Don't allow that to prevent you from going through with that long-term divorce in the long term. It's the same thing here. I could respect the mentality of voting for them if they were with us on this. And let me go to the next analogy, and I think I've said this before. So basically what's going on in our country is you have a burning building, and our people are trapped in it, and it's a burning building. And there are those of us that are yelling to those that claim to be the firefighters, do something. Why aren't you going in? Why aren't you spraying water Why? why is, and, and getting the ladders to go up and rescue? And in fact, often it looks like you're actually joining with the arsonists and blowtorching more fire on the building rather than getting water. Okay? Then comes along, and this is going to lead me into a little different issue, and you're, you'll see where I'm headed with this. A group of guys that look kind of raucous and a little mischievous, maybe even a bit um, on the evil side, show up with the tattoos and the motorcycles, and they're like, I'm putting the fire out. And then the guys that have been blocking all of us all along from storming that building with hoses and ladders who themselves claim to be doing that, but then won't do it, and not only won't do it themselves, they'll add to the fire, and not only that, they'll block us from doing it. They're like, these people are horrible! How dare you! These people are just no-account, ill-will people! And we're like, well, there might be some truth to what you're saying, but what you're doing now is nothing. So if it's a choice between them and you, yeah, I'm with them. But frankly, you guys blocked the more legitimate firefighters from doing it. Now let me go on to the reality of this analogy and metaphor. There's been this debate brewing where basically what happened was for years we've had a Republican Party that was part of the arson. We've had a conservative movement that is largely full of grifters or just just people that I don't even think, a lot of them, I don't think they even mean to do it. It's just that Politics has become a career, and they've found a way to make money off of commentating. So, you know, look, if things go bad for the country, they'll be there to commentate on the bad. It doesn't bother them. They don't feel a sense of urgency. They're like, dude, what you've been doing for years is not working, and you don't need to throw out your principles, but you do need new tactics to implement those principles that you supposedly believe in. And the movement's been full of those people. Mixed in them are some people that legitimately, and I would include myself in that for the last decade, have been trying to push legitimate constitutional conservatism in a way that could win, in a way that sells, and has been given all the strategies, and they haven't been doing it. And then comes along a group of people, let's call them, and again, I'm being very general here, There's each group has a, has a lot of different elements and some overlap and some don't but certain elements of the MAGA movement certain elements that would call themselves populist nationalists and are almost rejecting certain elements of conservatism and certain elements that some would call alt-right some wouldn't some are some aren't and like screw this these guys are frauds I mean this is never going to work and here's what we're doing and the old guard that has failed us points to flaws in them and Trump, and some of his people, some people that are beyond Trump. 
And some of the things they say, they're not wrong in a vacuum, but it's like, well, what about you? And so what, what you basically have is, I've seen a lot of people, this has been a thing, they're attacking Lynn Wood. Like, that guy, he voted against Purdue last time. He was nothing but a Democrat until recently. Yeah, no surprise he'd sabotage Republicans. It's, again, it's all party politics. And what I find funny is, like, these are the same Republicans that for years were saying, Daniel, you're too extreme and too pure. You, we need a bigger tent. You're going to chase away other people. You need to bring people in. So it's funny. There's only certain constituencies they want in. But when you have kind of the old Ross Perot voters, some of the Buchanan, Ron Paul, I mean, it's it, it's ranged since since the last 30 years, this insurgency of, like, Predominantly white working class people or, you know, in this case, Lynn Wood is a lawyer, but kind of represents some of those people that they weren't traditional conservatives, but they certainly weren't really liberals and Republicans never spoke to them. And they a lot, a lot of them never voted. Some of them did vote Democrat and were Democrats. And, um, you know, it's kind of represented through two people that I could think of that are prominent commentators now um, that are like this and represent this view and they're both friends of mine, and I have them on the show, Ryan Gerdusky and Pedro Gonzalez um, of American Greatness. And, you know, they're openly not pushing. Like, my point is, we've never tried real constitutional conservatism, and the label has been mislabeled and screwed up, so it's made a lot of these guys jaded, so they've just rejected it all right all, all along, and now they're, like, pushing populism, populism nationalism. And I have my disagreements with them, and I think if... It was just us without the bad guys. We could easily work that out. And I think we're fundamentally on the same page that we want results. We want to actually save the country. Um, We understand what the GOP is about is not working and is wrong. You know, there's certain premises I think they make about a couple of issues that that is just built off of their frustration with the old guard. But I don't think it necessarily has to be true. And it's like what I should reject those people. I mean, and, and that's the funny thing. Suddenly the Big Ten people are like, well, you know, these, these people were Democrats until recently. I know Ryan Gerdusky, you know, I think he voted for Kerry. Um, but I mean, I thought we're about bringing people in. It's funny. It's only certain people they want in, but not other constituencies. It's very interesting. And that's the thing. Like, I don't know what Lynn Wood was, wasn't, or where he's headed. But what I think we do see is that he is rigorously fighting. It might not be the way you like, and and he might not have the background that you like, and he might even be harmful. Maybe I'm just seeding the point for him. But you sure as hell are harmful. You sure as hell have been doing nothing for us. Yeah, I wish it would be the well-reasoned, well-thought-out, well-spoken, philosophically grounded constitutionalists, like people like Levin and myself. But you know what? You guys have rejected that. It's not like you've joined with my, like, these are dirty people that have horrible ideas. Well, I, I think I have pretty smart policy ideas and strategies and localism and working with the state legislatures. Why don't I have any of you joining with me? So I'm sorry if you're not going to help me on any of those smart, serious. See, I'm a pretty smart, serious conservative, right? I'm not one of those guys. And yet, they treat me the same way. So you're all a bunch of frauds. Just vote Republican. Shut up and mask up and vote Republican. No, we're kind of done with that, folks. 
Look, it doesn't mean I don't have concerns about if we were to break up off, what would be the nature of this new party and new movement? And like anything, and it, this has always been a problem since the American Revolution, you're always going to have factions and fractions and, you know, factionalism within any new movement trying to define what that new movement is. And obviously, I would want to better articulate what a traditional conservative model is. And I don't want America to look like Europe, where you have basically a communist party as the so-called left party. The so-called right party is a socialist, like corporate socialist party. And then all you have left on the other side is just like, this like populist nationalist as an ends to itself or in the worst scenarios, just neo-Nazis. And I was, I, I was always concerned about that, but again, you know, and, and unfortunately there are signs that were almost headed to that point in America, but that's the fault of all these gatekeepers of the conservative movement that have failed to create a smart, serious conservative alternative. And they've gone along with this garbage. Well, yeah, you're going to get the chemotherapy. You're going to get the guys come along with the motorcycles who want to charge that building because you know what? You don't have the trained professional firefighters to do it. And maybe the ones that are, you're not letting them do it. So look, the other option is you get nothing. People aren't going to stand for that. They want action. So people are going to get attracted to people like Lynn Wood. I'm not passing judgment on what he is or isn't. I'm just saying I'm even allowing for the fact that he's a no account, bad dude, former Democrat. But like, that's a self-indictment of them. Where are they fighting for us? Look, I say this all along. It would be one thing if Republicans are like, I don't know, it's kind of messy messaging to say the election was stolen. Let's move on. Let's just whatever. Let me make their argument better. I'm going to build up their argument and knock it down. And again, the point I'm making is they all have a certain valid argument, but it doesn't apply to them. (laughs) They're making it that it doesn't apply. It would apply to me, not to them. And it would basically go something like this. Look, this is a pretty good election loss. You know, yeah, Trump's gone. You'll have Biden. But let's just fight in Georgia. You'll keep the Senate. So you could block good stuff, you know, bad stuff from coming out of the Senate. So he can't sign into law. Um. Look, we're going to fight Biden on the budget. We're going to fight him with our control of the Senate. We're going to neuter his presidency the way, you know, the Jacksonians neutered John Quincy Adams when they had control of Congress and he was president and basically could do nothing. We're in in the in the 25 to 31 states we control. It's going to be conservative governance. We're going to work with those state legislatures, pressure those Republicans to do what we want. We're going to end COVID fascism. In those states, we're going to have election integrity laws up the wazoo. We're going to go have election reform. We're going to end judicial supremacism. We're going to start pushing back against those lower courts. Screw them. We're going to we're going to have stand your ground self-defense laws, anti-mob laws, stop the jailbreak, get tougher on crime. All that stuff. Hey, I take that. I'd stand down on 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 this. But that's the point. We don't have that. Is there's nothing unique about Lynn Wood and Sidney Powell, and I don't like the way you're doing it or the issue you're choosing or the rhetoric you're using. It's they don't want to fight for us on any issue, under any circumstances, in any state, any time, any place. That is where we're at 
right now with the Republican Party and the phony conservative movement. That's the reality. So we need to stop poo-pooing and dumping on other ideas, whether they're good or bad, to try to rectify the situation when you are doing nothing and your only solution is to add more fuel to the fire and back the same people who have created the fire and not just created it, but as we're talking, they add new fuel to the fire and pass new things. Oh my gosh, could you imagine what we can do with a GOP Senate against Biden? Could you imagine how bad it would be if we lose it? Literally, while they're saying this, every Republican supports the worst, largest change to legal immigration in 30 years. No one knows about it. I mean, this is unbelievable. Let me read to you what this bill does. S-386. That's the bill. It would abolish the 7% per country limit for employment-based green cards and double the family-based limit from 7% to 15%. It would allow one country to monopolize America's employment-based immigration system for decades for closing on diversity and immigration. It would all be Indians. A new early file category allowing green card applicants after only two years to take any job and to move freely within the U.S. labor market. Temporary workers under the bill are able to stay in the U.S. permanently while waiting green, green cards. The number of green cards distributed and the number of H-1B visas are increased. It would set a quota allowing companies with more than 50 employees to employ half of its staff with H-1Bs. It would continue to risk America's national security. I mean, this is the whole issue we've been talking about with China and the supply chain and the, and the medical supplies. And, and, and the way they stole all of our technology was through the immigration because they worked here and then they went back home. The trade theft, the espionage from China and India. Imagine taking everything we're up against. Mass migration, Boxing out the American worker. Selling us out to China and India. And you're like, I have a great idea. Let's have China and India further monopolize our labor force and green card system. Like, I mean, it's mentally ill. It's like, you know, there's a lot of crime. Let's pass criminal justice reform and police reform. I mean, it's not just that they don't fight for us. They literally do the opposite. We're not asking much of Republicans. These people, I mean, the real thing is a lot of these commentators, they're just too stupid and uninformed. They don't understand the issues. So they, they, they resort to these like, um, they, 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 they resort to um, just like, I don't know, um, these nursery rhymes. Vote Republican. Don't sabotage. Don't give it to the Democrats. They're giving it to the Democrats. I didn't do anything. I tried to stop it. They're never there to fight the budget battles for us. They're never there to fight on the debt ceilings. And and, and like and they're talking about socialism. The biggest socialism was the COVID bill that destroyed it. 
See, without that bill, they couldn't have done lockdowns. It undergirded and underwrote the lockdowns. And now they're, the Republicans are on the cusp of agreeing to pass another one. Now, this is where some of the populist nationalists are think, because their whole thing is like, you know, fight cultural Marxism, but then like buy people off, you know, with with money and throw money at people like the left. Why Why have the left like, you know, try to outbid us and then we you know, become unpopular because we're not giving out enough money. I disagree with a lot of that. And that's a show for another time. But, you know, some of them are pushing the stimulus, but it's like they don't understand. It's a handout to all these left wing governors and mayors that will basically enable them to do another severe lockdown. But that's what I'm telling you. It's not like it's not like speculative in the future. What will happen? Look at what they're doing to us right now. It, it, it just, these people are so dumb. So, so dumb. But anyway, I do want to get a little bit into the fraud. You know, the biggest thing people are missing is that we have fire, not just smoke, but confirmed problems with the election on what we know up front in the general sense, and then tons of specifics with smoke in it. So like, we and this is actually even the Republican Party of Nevada. Unlike most other states, it looks like the Republican Party is actually fighting there. Some of that's because they're in the minority, and there's nothing so righteous as a Republican hope, hopelessly in the minority. But basically, where is this? You look at what they're saying, and this is very serious stuff, what they're alleging. It's not a closing argument, but it's an opening argument that needs to be vetted, and you can't just walk away from this. They found almost 8,000 ballots cast with addresses that are physically non-existent. Another 15,000 voters that were registered with vacant or commercial properties that you know make them not eligible to vote based on that. 2468 votes by voters that legally changed their address to another state or country. 42,000 voters who voted twice. 1,500 voters listed as dead by Social Security. Almost 20,000 Nevada voters with non-Nevada mailing addresses. And about 6,000 USPS flags on vacant addresses. This is a big problem. You look at Georgia. And the Trump team is alleging, and now look, you have to, this is very specific. They're like, show us the beef. Well, they're showing it. 2,500 felons voted. 66,000 underage registered. Doesn't mean they voted. 2,423 voted without registration. 1,000 address a post office. Nearly 5,000 registered late. 10,000 dead people. uh, 395 cast ballots in another state. 15,700 filed national change of address. 40,279 moved. There's 100 affidavits. On, on voter fraud there. You have that insane pipe break that didn't occur or occurred at a different time and they lied about it. I mean, all this stuff and then you look at the rejection rate went down threefold when it should have went up threefold because of all the new mail-ins and new voters that don't fill them out as properly. And this is the other thing, folks. I'll be on Levin talking about the Pennsylvania data that I wrote about. But you know what's interesting? A lot of people are like, well, Daniel... You know, Democrats did vote more mail-in, so they were overwhelmingly Democrat. 
But what they don't understand is that if you compare apples to apples, Democrat primary to Democrat general election, or as we noted, down ballot Democrats versus Biden, you find a conflicting narrative and only in the states that they needed it to happen. So let me let me throw some some more data at you. It's not just so like, you know, I noted that we went from um, last election Basically, there was a 27 times higher rejection rate of of mail-ins in Pennsylvania. But you know, it's not just in. It's not just from last time. You look this time in the primary. Okay. In the primary, this is very serious stuff. There was a 1.3% rejection rate. More than four times higher than the general. If anything, those are more savvy voters. Doesn't make any sense. Or it includes less non-savvy voters, I'd say. Pennsylvania rejected 20,000 primary ballots. 20,000 this past primary. With Biden and Kamala and all these people, they rejected less than 7,500 in the general election. That's a big problem. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. We're all told that this is the greatest turnout ever, and yet there's more than twice as many raw number rejected ballots in the primary. Another interesting thing is this. If you look at all the states where they produce data on the percentage of accepted ballots, meaning that they were both returned and accepted. So it's not just the rejection rate, but you know, a lot of people request ballots or their mail ballots and they don't return them. Okay? Right? That's that's very common. And you would expect that to be pretty consistent. Now, yes, Democrats did in general return the ballots at a higher ratio but not that much higher and before i give you the numbers i just want to say this is the general problem of how perfect the fraud was because they they acclimated everyone to the idea of oh all the ballots that come in late at night are democrat because it's from the cities um all the mail-ins are democrat and well yeah there's truth to that but i mean remember we're not saying that trump won these states by 10 percentage points, we're saying he won by, you know, rather than Biden winning by a point, he won by, by a point or two or half a point, right? So it doesn't take, I mean, there's a difference between winning 66% of the mail-ins and 75% of the mail-ins statewide. And then if you go into the cities, there's a difference between winning 98%, like we see in this batch from Atlanta, 22,000 votes, versus winning maybe 85%. That makes a huge difference. That's the difference between who won the election. But to most people, it's all the same. You're able able to get away with it. Oh, well, it's overwhelmingly Democrat. Well, yeah. And here's how you see that. So my buddy, Nathan Hyatt, I had him crunch the numbers. I said, do you have time to do this for me? And he he put pen to paper and he found a total of about 15 states that gave the return and acceptance rate on mail-in ballots broken down by party. And what he found 
was basically there's 13 states in one category and then Pennsylvania and Nevada in another category. Now, he doesn't have Georgia, um, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Evidently, they don't give you that data. It would be interesting if we can get that. But as of now, at least, he has not been able to find that for me. Maybe you guys could find it. But in general, Democrats, on average, if you take those 13 states, Democrats did about 1.6% better in terms of returning ratio. So in other words, let me give you an example of, of the perfect average. was like Florida. Dems successfully returned and had accepted 79.9% of the universe of ballots that were mailed out to registered Democrats. Republicans successfully returned and got accepted 78.5%. So it was, a, it was a small differential, but on average, the states were generally more Democrat. Of course, you go to Arizona, it's already almost a 3% differential. So that's something to consider in itself. But that's included in the average of the 13. But then there's the two other states. In Pennsylvania, there was an 8.3 point spread in the favor of the Dems. And in Nevada, it was a 15.6 spread. Again, I'm not saying it's fraud, but you put all of these together and it all says the same story. It all portends the same story. And again, oh, maybe Democrats really did a good job and had many more. But then that's when you look at the rejection rate, and it doesn't make sense compared to last election, compared to, um, what do you call it, Uh, Democrat primary voters. And again, this is where you're having the first timers in this general election. They all warned about this. I mean, in late October, there were articles all over the country saying, man, Democrats are going to have a serious problem with rejection. Let me read this to you from Wisconsin Watch. It's from Wisconsin. Um, When Melissa Lemke got a call that her absentee ballot had been rejected, she was convinced there had been some mistake. As an older woman in Racine, she knew how important it was to carefully fill out her ballot and envelope, and she'd done so successfully in past elections. She thought back to the day she submitted her ballot and remembered being engrossed in conversation with her partner about local politics. I was probably just talking more about the issues than paying attention to the directions, she said. Lemke misunderstood the witness address field and left it blank. The clerk mailed her ballot back. Lemke corrected it and submitted it at an early in-person voting location or a scene. And they basically talk about all these states that are warning about the problem of people not filling them out properly. And then somehow, it wasn't a problem. Somehow, they were more successful with first-time mass chaotic mail-ins than ever before. In Michigan, Michigan rejected in the Democrat primary on August 4th, 10,600 votes in the primary mail-ins. They rejected 1865, okay? Less than a fifth. In the general election with supposedly record numbers, record turnout. I just, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense, folks. I don't know what to tell you. What are we going to do with that? 
in Pennsylvania in, in, in uh, 2018 midterms, general election midterms, 4.4% of mail-in ballots were rejected. How do they have an improvement of 1,367% in acceptance in one year? I mean, I'm just telling you, this is what makes zero sense. Just doesn't make any sense. 20 times more unsolicited mail-in votes? You would expect a 5-10% rejection rate. But no. And all these old guard, so-called conservative movement people are saying, shut up. I don't see any fraud. Show it to me. And then we show it and they're like, well, yeah, I mean, we're not going to have the criminal case already. You got to allow us to get our foot in the door and they're not allowing it. They're taking a see no evil, hear no evil approach. But again, folks, this is not just about ballot fraud. This is about governing fraud. Republicans defrauding their voters. This is from Raheem Kassam at his, um, well, no, it's Steve Cortez who writes for Raheem's editor at National Pulse. And they note, where is this? Republican Senators Marco Rubio, John Cornyn, Susan Collins, and Tom Tillis. Tom Tillis, we just, everyone you know, moved heaven and earth to get him elected in North Carolina. This is what we fought for. We'll attend Thursday a summit meeting hosted by the American Business Immigration Coalition, a pro-amnesty group consisting of big business donors, Chamber of Commerce, as well as the Soros-funded United We Dream organization. Schumer and Durbin are participating as well. Anna Navarro is going to be there. I mean, I'm just telling you, like, they're pushing amnesty. Like, you know, there's one thing we used to think, like, you know what, Republicans, maybe they share our values fundamentally, but they're scared. They're scared of the media. They're scared of the voters. They don't, they're scared. We just had an election where not just any Hispanics, but Hispanics living at the border in the Rio Grande Valley, who are the most Hispanic, so to speak, of anyone in the country because they have very strong cross-border cultural ties with Mexico. A lot of them are dual citizens. They have family there. They go there all the time. That's the whole COVID issue going back and forth from the border. And... They literally shifted like 50, 60 points in Trump's favor after Trump was supposedly the most anti-Hispanic, you know, anti-illegal immigration guy to ever be president after he was president for four years. And they are still on this business. So, folks, it's not just about it's not even about winning the Hispanic vote and pandering, which in itself is not a good thing. You've know, you got to do what's right for everyone. But even if it becomes clear it is electorally viable or it's electorally superior to the other position, just from a raw political standpoint, it doesn't matter. These Republicans are so broken. Their donors and everything, they just don't share our values. I, I don't know how much more of this you need to see. 
And I know a lot of you guys get this. So my broader point of this week is, join me in pushing a bill of rights against COVID fascism and stand your ground legislation in the counties and the and, and the state legislators and, and, and actually pressuring these Republicans and then eventually starting a better party. Work, work all fronts, all of the above. It's not one and not the other. If to you, in, in addition to that, that includes voting Republican against the Democrat in any general, wherever you can, fine, do it. But as long as you're doing the other things, I'm not going to get in your way. I think it's not worth fighting over that. But if that's all you're going to do is to say, vote Republican, nothing more. Shut up about the fraud. Shut up about, about, about everything else. Vote Republican. Vote Republican. The twisted little irony I have for you is that because of your utter insouciance and disregard for our issues for all these years, here's the funny thing. You yourself are not even going to be able to enjoy your idolatry of just electing Republicans, not Republican policies, not conservative outcomes, but even Republican politicians, because you won't be able to win elections anymore. Because you have now allowed mass mail-ins without verification that they could just say, hey, I got hundreds of thousands of ballots here, look suspicious, no, no verification process needed. Here you go. Let's count them. You're done. Oh, and by the way, we're kicking out your inspectors and we still get to count the votes even though you're kicked out, violating all state and federal election law. The last laugh will be on them. And perhaps maybe that will be a good thing of the election fraud, making it that Republicans can no longer win. Because I'm just telling you, I know it's hard to let go. You know, when you're fighting a gun battle with a knife, you will never win that battle. But nonetheless, it's hard to surrender, put down that knife in order to pick up something that should be more substantial. It's hard. I get it. But it will, we will not never pick up something that will actually win us anything until we finally put down that false idol of the GOP. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. We're going to discuss this more at Minimum Speakeasy. I'm going to try to produce more videos exclusive for you guys on the Facebook fan pages. You could tw- tweet me at armconservative, email me dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Send all of this week's shows to 50, 100 of your friends, relatives, neighbors. Let's send this show far and wide. We need this unique, independent, conservative perspective. We need an independent, conservative movement and party that really reflects where our people are, where our country ought to be and was originally conceived. It's achievable if we slay the false idols. There's a lot we can do. There's a lot we can plan. There's a lot of opportunity this election itself has presented us if we only have the right outlook and stop putting our faith blindly into men, especially those that have cheated on us a hundred times, including at the very moment we are saying to have faith in them. That is a perspective you guys need to take into a weekend. Hope you have a terrific one at that. Enjoy your family time till next week. Same time, same place. God bless you all. Stay safe and stay healthy.